This is Real Estate Rookie episode 285. I swear to God, I was just like so brutally honest. I was like, I am screwed. I need your help. You can have the property if you want. I'll just eat the holding costs. I'll lose whatever. And she was like, settle down. We just met. Like, what are you talking about? I met her there the next day and she was like, yeah, man, you messed up. <laughs> I was like, yeah. And now we actually own that unit as a rental property. We have an operating agreement. We split it 50-50. So like everything's good now. My name is Ashley Kerr, and I am here with my co-host, Tony Robinson. And welcome to the Real Estate Rookie Podcast, where every week, twice a week, we bring you the inspiration, motivation, and stories you need to hear to kickstart your investing journey. And we've got a heck of an episode for you guys today. Um, we've got Hudson Jump, J-U-M-P. First, he's got a pretty cool name. I don't think I've ever met anyone with the last name Jump, um, <laughs> but he's also a senior in college and he's about to graduate right now. I think he got a few exams left after this uh, podcast episode. He's just got like a really cool story about grinding it out as a young person in real estate, but a lot of what he talks about is, app- is applicable to all of our rookies that are looking to get started. Yeah. Listen for the number 10 thousand throughout this episode. Um, so listen to what he does and just with how monumental that number is for what he's doing. Um, and we'll kind of wrap it up at, at the end too. So make sure you listen all the way through the end. And Tony and I kind of give our thoughts on to what we think was really impactful through this episode. Um, Tony, what, what are some other little hints that you have or teasers about your favorite things about this episode? What what I loved was how when Hudson find himself or found himself in a difficult situation with a deal that he thought was going to pretty much go sideways, he was able to partner up with a super experienced real estate investor who had done hundreds of flips and have that person come in and partner with him on that deal and turn it into something more profitable. And I think it's a lesson that so many folks listening can take about how to align yourself with people who are more successful than you. Yeah, it's just once again, we're hearing about a successful partnership. And, you know, that's not always the case, but uh, Hudson really gives some kind of ideas as to what made his partnership successful. And a a big takeaway from that was honesty up front. Like (laughs) that that was really a big thing. So make sure you listen to that part of it. So before we jump in, I just want to give a quick shout out to someone that lets stay five star review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Rob T from California says, love this podcast with like four exclamation marks. Truly exceptional. Ashley and Tony have phenomenal on-air chemistry. Well, thank you, Rob. Uh, both informative and entertaining. Just what a rookie like myself needs to find the tools and inspiration to get started. So for all of our rookies that are listening, if you have not yet left us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever it is you listen, Please take a few minutes out of your day and do that. The more reviews we get, more folks we can reach, more folks we can reach, more folks we can help. And that's our goal here at the Real Estate Working Podcast. You know, he's really spot on about that on-air chemistry. Like in person, we have no idea what to say to each other. Yeah, it's just (laughs) awkward silence the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) But thank you guys so much for leaving these great reviews. Um, It really has... um, made it very enjoyable for us to, to read them on air. So if you haven't already, please leave a review for us and we'd love to read it on air. Also, just quick heads up right now, we're at 1,496 uh, reviews. So we're four reviews away from hitting 1,500, which is pretty cool. So that's 1,500 rookies that have shared uh, how much the show has impacted them. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And we especially love it when you share how it, the show has impacted you in some way. Are current interest rates making you depressed about cash flow? What if it didn't have to be that way? Rent to Retirement has 2.99% seller financing available on turnkey properties. You heard that right. That's a seller financed 2.99% interest rate where the average cash flow is over $900 per month. They also have options where you can put as low as 5% down on multiple investment properties with no PMI. Rent to Retirement is the nation's leading turnkey investment company that understands what it takes to be successful in today's dynamic real estate market. Their reputation speaks for itself with more five-star reviews than any other company on the Bigger Pockets website. Rent to Retirement offers fully turnkey properties that are newly built or renovated, leased and managed, allowing you to invest with confidence in the markets that offer the best returns. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's rent. T-O, retirement.com, or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777. 
Remember when you had to pay to get a lead's phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right, get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. My name is Hudson John. Um, I'm actually a senior at The Ohio State University, um, majoring in finance, and I have a minor in psychology. I actually had a, a presentation this morning. Um, I have a few more exams before I'm done for good. Um, but yeah, I came to Ohio State actually to wrestle. I quit after a year and then just you know, focused on work and school and just hanging out with my friends and having fun now. I'm feeling good. So, so dude, you're, you're a senior in, in college and it, it always not amazes me, but I, I'm just always so inspired when I, when I see younger people who are um, kind of already going on this journey of financial freedom and, and kind of making things happen. So I know for a lot of my friends, when we were seniors in high school, we were more so focused on, um, I mean, a lot of people were focused on partying and, you know, all the, the stuff that kind of comes along with going to a big school like that. But for, for you, Hudson, you're, you're kind of focused already on building your, your path for the future. So just quickly walk us through, like, what, what triggered this, um, this desire to start building your, your financial, I don't know, foundation for yourself? Yeah. So at first, I actually wanted to be a psychiatrist. I was a full-time psychology major. And then my brother-in-law, um, he's a big realtor here in Columbus, and he's a landlord as well. He started having me do some of the grunt work, you know, clean outs and um, demolition work and whatnot. And I just kind of saw how many opportunities there were, started listening to bigger pockets and seeing everything that was really out there. Um, and it's just there's so much opportunity to explore, and there's not really one thing you need to do. There's so many different things you can do to make money, and I just thought that was really amazing. Yeah. And apologies, Hudson, because I said you're a senior in high school, but you were not a senior <laughs> in high school, you're a senior in college. <laughs> um, so just a, a little bit of a time difference there. But so it was this relationship with your brother-in-law that kind of introduced you. But I think there's a lot of people, Hudson, that are exposed to real estate investing. And you know maybe they know someone in their personal lives that, that's doing it, but exposure by itself isn't enough to really uh, kind of kick them into gear to want to go down that path themselves. So what was that moment for you that said, hey, maybe this is a path that I actually want to go down. For sure. And at first, when I was working for my brother-in-law, um, you know, I just, I was just trying to make money. I wasn't necessarily focused on learning specifics about being a landlord or owning rental properties or even wholesaling. I just, you know, I was just a college student trying to make money and that's what I did. And I started to build up my wealth, um, you know, nothing amazing, just a few thousand dollars um, which is pretty amazing for a college student, but, um, I just, you know, kept working and then I learned about wholesaling and then I learned about flipping. I learned about rental properties. So yeah, like you said, at first, you know, I was just, it was a good workout. I got some money in my pocket, you know, it's not very stressful. So yeah, that's just where I started with that. Hudson in your like college group of friends, do you have in your circle, are other people kind of entrepreneurs or going after things? Or is it more of just like, oh, I work at the restaurant a couple of days a week or things like that? Like, give me a little background as to the people you hang out with in college and maybe what sets you apart from other college students, maybe. Yeah. So this is actually interesting. Um, 
most of my friends don't even know this is what I do or that I have properties, um, which I actually really enjoy. You know, I like having one foot in both worlds where I can still hang out with my friends on the weekend and go out. But, you know, there comes a time where it's time to work and get stuff done. And I actually really like that split. Um, and, you know, I have some friends who, like, they're just all over the place. Like, I have friends who are finance majors like me. I have friends who are biomedical engineering. I have friends who are in architecture. Um, and that's that's kind of the cool thing, you know. They don't necessarily know that this is what I'm doing, but we can all still connect and relate and have fun together. I, I just want to, like, point out, I, I think one of the, the most difficult parts of the early journey of becoming a real estate investor is the the lack of community because a lot of times when you're just getting started you can't talk to your friends you can't talk to your family you can't talk to your spouse your boyfriend girlfriend whoever it is because no one else is kind of you know drinking the kool-aid in the same way that you are so for you hudson was it was it difficult um because you said you liked it which is kind of the opposite of what most people say um did you find it difficult at all that no one else around you was doing it for you to stay motivated? For sure. You know, I kind of felt like I was in limbo and still to an extent I do, you know, because I'm living in this eight person house with all my friends in college, but then I have my brother-in-law and other partners and whatnot who own, you know, hundreds of units, which is insane. So I see this split and yeah, I definitely do feel like I'm kind of in no man's land at times. Um, but that's where connections and everything else, you know, being with partners has really benefited me. Hudson, before we move any further, can you just give us an overview of your portfolio and how many deals you have done? Yep. So I currently own three long-term rentals. Um, I've wholesaled seven properties and I've wholetailed one. Um, and I actually, I, so I have two flips on the market as well right now. They're both contingent with my current partner. That is awesome. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Can you break down the difference between whole a wholesale deal and a wholetail deal? Because we really don't talk about a wholetail deal that often on here. Yeah. So wholesale is essentially, you know, you reach out to a seller um, and usually, you know, they're motivated in one way or another to sell their property quickly. And then you click, you turn it around and you don't do anything to the property and you sell it most likely to another investor for them to you know do the work and renovate it and keep it as a long-term rental or flip it and put it back on the market. And a whole tale would be you're buying a property that doesn't necessarily need major repairs. Um, you know, you're doing minor things, maybe you're painting, you're um, adding new flooring, stuff like that, just basic, simple stuff, and then throwing it on the market quickly and quick turnaround. You're not necessarily trying to get the most bang for your buck, but you're making a decent profit more than you would if you were just wholesaling your property. So let's talk about that first deal that you actually did. Was that a wholesale then or was that one of the buy and holds? My first deal that I actually went into contract in was a wholesale. Um, so when I first started wholesaling, I, I, you know, I was just looking up online, like, how do you wholesale? How do you find uh, potential sellers? And I started, you know, I made phone calls. I was just on like the local auditor's website, looking to see if people had enough equity in their property that it made sense for them to sell. But I didn't, I really had no idea what I was doing. You know, I just needed to take a leap and start getting into something bigger. And Hudson, um, if I can, I just wanted to ask, like, why why wholesaling? Because there's so many other ways of getting started in real estate investing. What was it about wholesaling that made you say, okay, this is the next step for me, or this is how I want to get started? Yeah, you know, I feel like wholesaling is a common first step or common starting ground for investors, you know, and it's it's pretty simple. It's not that much goes into the process. You know, it's not like you're doing all the renovations and whatnot. It's just, it's really being a people person and going out of your way to find potential sellers. Um, but, you know, you quickly learn, you see everyone online like, oh, you know, I wholesaled 100 properties this year and it's not that easy. 
Can you kind of walk us through the steps that you took in that very beginning as you were trying to get your first deal? Like, so you mentioned you went online to the website, looked for certain properties. Can you just walk us through that whole thing? Like, you know, maybe you, you made the phone calls, you went to appointments. What was that whole process like for you in the very beginning? Yeah. So my process at first was, again, like I, I wasn't really sure what to do. I was literally, I would look up online what does a wholesaler do? Like I wasn't even sure really what in- that entails. And my methods and ways of finding leads, you know, it quickly, it ramps up as you quickly gain knowledge of what you should and shouldn't be doing. So at first I was writing handwritten letters nonstop. Like literally in my lifetime, I've written over 10,000 letters. Like I'm not exaggerating. Like you personally with your hand, have written 10,000 letters. Yeah. And wow. Wait, if I I just want to pause for a second Hudson because you're, you're you're saying that very casually, but that is that is an incredible achievement. Uh mo- most people who go into the world of wholesaling, they're either doing like just printed letters or maybe they're they're just like writing a signature at the bottom or they're hiring a, a company that do, does like the, you know, they've got like the machine to make it look like writing. Okay. What you're saying is that you hand wrote 10,000 letters. And I think it's so important to call that out because that cost you $0. It costs $0 to write those letters. All you have to do is invest your your energy and your time. So for someone that's listening to this podcast that maybe doesn't have an, uh, an excessive amount of discretionary spending, what you just said of handwriting 10,000 letters, it's a step that any person can take to get started. So I, I just want to commend you on that. Yeah. Thank you. Hudson, I, I have to ask too, did you work in a nursing home and pull like a happy Gilmer here where there's old ladies like, my fingers hurt <laughs> from having them write all those letters for you? or So you personally wrote them all yourself? Literally, yes. And I also, I used to also um, pay my roommates to write letters with me as well. Wow. And like we were all, we would all be sitting around writing letters. So how much would you pay them? Let's kind of get into that process too. Like how much did you pay them and did they just have to copy a script you gave them? So if somebody else wants to hire people, what should they do to do that? So like I mentioned earlier, you know, you quickly learn so much and you learn what works and what doesn't. And at first when we started, they are like, we were writing long letters. Like literally it would take up a whole uh, legal pad of pay, like defer, like a one page legal pad. And then as time went on, you know, I found that's not really the most productive way to do things. So we started, you know, we, we've, I've tried so many different methods, you know, I would say literally one sentence, Hey, I'm interested in making an offer on your home. I would put bullet points on some, you know, say no cleaning required, no repairs needed. Um, went on the letters got shorter and shorter because personally I've, found that like you know short and sweet seems to work better for me that's just what i found so i stuck with that so you you start this journey hudson by first uh leveraging direct mail and i guess let me just ask like like there's so many other ways that wholesalers can reach out to prospective buyers there's direct mail there's text there's cold calling uh there's maybe using realtors who have dead listings there's so many different ways to get in contact with sellers why specifically did you choose direct mail as your your kind of platform? And why specifically did you choose to handwrite those as opposed to getting like a postcard or something? So for one reason is you guys were mentioning that it's pretty cost effective. And I had time on my hands, but you know I didn't necessarily have the capital um, to work other methods. And then two, so Columbus, Ohio, that's where I'm located, is a hot market. Um, so, you know, you have wholesalers and investors really everywhere. Um, so I just, I wanted to look for a method where I could reach out to potential sellers that other wholesalers or investors weren't willing to do. Because, you know, I'm sure you guys probably wouldn't be willing to write thousands of handwritten letters. It's not really worth your time. But in a way, you know, that helped me reach out to a crowd that other people might not be able to reach. I think this is a, a great example of something different. Usually it's somebody talking about how they did a DIY rehab 
because they were able to save money was cost effective for them at that time. And, you know, maybe not everyone would do that, but here you are, instead of like going out and doing a rehab or other things where you're hands on, you decided to save money this way. And I think that's a, a great example of someone's like, well, I don't know how to do a rehab, so I can't save money that way. Well, maybe you can in, you know, sourcing deals or other things. That's a great point. And I, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up, Ashley, because there's this common misconception that as as a real estate investor, time is money and you should delegate you know, everything that you can. But when you're first starting, maybe your business can't afford for you to delegate everything. And you have to kind of start doing a lot of those things yourselves. And like you said, husband, there are things in my business that I did when we first started that I no longer do today. Ashley, I'm sure the same is true for you, where there were things that you did in your first deal that you probably never do on a deal today. So I just want all of our rookies to understand that when you hear me or Ashley or some of our more experienced guests talking about their team and how they delegate, we did, we all didn't start that way. We all started kind of in the and the grind doing it ourselves. I, I appreciate you bringing that up. Tony, real quick, there's still things that we should delegate out that we are still doing too. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I actually keep a, I keep a list. I have a, a board um, and I keep a list of this board of like things I don't want to do anymore. And every time I find myself doing something, I, I just ask that list and it makes it harder to delegate when you, when you find that person. So I, literally on my phone, in my notes, I have the same exact thing, a list of things I should be doing, but I just really don't want to do. And that's, those are honestly usually the things I'll ask my roommates to do. You know, I'll try to get them to do them. And let me just add to that. I know this isn't really the premise of this episode, but I think it's an important thing to call out since we're on the topic is that every person in their business should be doing that. Whatever it is that you don't want to continue to do, keep, keep track of that somewhere. And then to take it one step further, when you actually have to do that task yourself, document and record the steps that are necessary to do that. And then you either have like a written or video SOP. So that way, when you do hire someone to take on that task, you can hand them those instructions and then they can go ahead and execute themselves. So that's something we've been really trying to focus on in our business is building up this library of video SOPs that we can hand off to our team members. So Hudson, you you, you land on direct mail uh, and and obviously kind of get started with that. So what, what happens from from that point on? Yeah. So, you know, I just quickly started to ramp up my CRM and lists and whatnot. You know, I got into PropStream and a few other um, softwares to really weed out not, you know, bad, not bad leads, but leads that don't necessarily make sense. So at first when I was on the auditor site, I was specifically looking to see if people had high equity in their property, which is a great place to start. But then, you know, I got prop stream and I started stacking lists and, you know, working into probate and distressed owners, things like that. And this all this all was happening over a few month period. I want to define some of those things, because when I first started out, I what's a list? Everyone keeps talking about a list. Where does this list come from? So can you maybe break that down a little bit more? And then also you talked about a, a distressed owner and maybe just kind of explain this is how I found an, a distressed owner by, you know, in prop stream changing kind of the filters on there. Just talk about that a little bit for us, please. Yeah. Prop stream is great. Um, you know, I still use it to this day. I've used it for since I started now for about the past nine months or so. And so when you, you start investing, you know, you want to build a list. You want to have a list of potential properties that you know could turn into deals so you start with maybe something basic like you could even go as basic as a specific zip code um, that's pretty broad and then you work it down into properties that have above 55 percent equity because um, then these people are more likely to sell their homes you know you wouldn't sell your home if you're not going to make money on the transaction so then you would work down from there and you just keep getting more and more specific. So you have these high equity properties in the specific zip code, and then you can go a step farther. Um, you know, maybe there's a out of town owner, which would be great. Um, just keep narrowing down your list. Maybe they're on the probate list somewhere. Someone passed away. So they're more likely to sell their home. It's just, there are so many options and you keep narrowing it down until you get to a select few properties that you really need to target hard. So Hudson, did your did your letters lead to your first deal? Yep. So actually, my letters were they led to all my wholesale deals. Okay. <laughs> so, so yeah. So talk talk us through that first one. So you, you sent out these letters 
And I, I think if, if we can, before we actually get into the details of the, the numbers, um, just when, because here's the thing, I think a lot of us can wrap our heads around the idea of sending out the letters. That part is relatively easy. It's relatively straightforward. I think it's what happens when the letters go out and the next steps where people start to get a little nervous or confused around what to do. So when a seller actually returns your 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 call or, or gives you a call based on, on your letter and you pick up that phone and they say, hey, Hudson, I got your letter. What what does that dialogue look like? What are you saying to those folks to actually get them to the point where um, they're saying yes about buying from you or selling to you? So to be honest, at first, um, it was probably really bad when I was answering the phone. You know, it it can be scary and challenging. Um, you don't necessarily know what to say, um, but you just with repetition that becomes so much easier. Like I have no problem talking to potential sellers at this point. But yeah, at first I was frightened, and now I say basic things such as, uh, "When was the last time you renovated the roof?" or how long have you lived there? Just like really simple things. And really the the thing I was trying to get to is, you know, I want to see the property in person myself. That's the big thing. Um, so if you can schedule that on first contact, you know, when they reach out and call you, that's great. But of course, that's not usually how it works. You need to keep following up to get the deals. So you did your first wholesale deal. What about your first long-term rental? Was that from the letters too? And what made you decide to keep that property as a rental instead of wholesaling it? Again, you know, just taking it one step farther, I just thought that was the right thing to do. Um, and looking back, it was definitely the right thing to do. I wanted to keep going and start getting properties to hold on to, except that deal was a complete disaster. And it still is still processing it to this day. It's given me a lot of hard times, but it's getting better. Okay. But you still continued to invest. So talk about the mindset of that as your first buy and hold property didn't really work out the way that you had hoped it would. So why did you continue on? For sure. And that really was the result of a partnership I formed as a result from that first property. And how my partner really taught me that, you know, things just keep moving forward. Things will work out. There's always an answer. And I couldn't see that by myself, but it took a partner who knew what they were doing to really show me that. And I don't know where I would be, um, you know, honestly, without meeting that partner. Ashley, it kind of reminds me of uh, JP Desmond, who we had on a recent episode as well, where he lost $250,000 over the course of his first few deals. And it wasn't until he found the right partner, the right mentor to kind of coach him through that uh, he finally found success on on that fourth deal, I think it was. So Hudson, if if you can, give us the details of what exactly went wrong with that first deal. Jeez, where do I even start? Um, So (laughs) seriously. That's how you know it's a good story when you don't don't even know where to begin. Yeah, you guys might shun me a little after this one. But so I reached out, you know, I sent them a letter, this out of town owner. They reached out to me. We went back and forth for a little bit. Um, They wanted, I can give you the numbers right now as we go as well. So they wanted $75,000 for the property. Working with my brother-in-law and some other local investors, they kind of helped me figure out an ARV that made sense. So we had a projected ARV of around six, 160000 And the property was very unique. It was a res- residential three-bed, one-bath in the front. And then there was a commercial unit attached to the back. So the property was huge. Like The numbers seemed to make sense from the outside. Um, but you know, this was just me not knowing what I'm doing, you know, just like la la la. Um, I offered them 60,000 and they're like, no way. Like, I'm not doing that. And I was just like, okay. And I followed up again a few weeks later and offered them 65,000, um, sight unseen. I had never been in the property and I actually didn't step foot in the property until four months, um, after owning, after purchasing the property, you know, the closing. Real quick, Hudson, was this a a vacant property? Was there someone living in there? There was a tenant in there. Okay. So you have to assume it's at least habitable, I guess, when you're purchasing it. Okay. You'd assume, right? (laughs) Um, But so like, again, 
even though this was only seven months ago or so, like I would never buy a property that's tenant occupied. I just wouldn't. It's just an extra hassle. Of course, I would never, I don't know anyone who would buy properties that are sight unseen, at least for their first deal. And Hudson, can I, can I ask what, what made you confident to purchase that property sight unseen, given it, that it was your first? It just walks through what your thought process was and maybe what some of the lessons were you learned coming out of that. Yeah. Just again, like I just mentally felt like I needed to take a jump. Like I needed to make the next step, whatever it may be. And looking back, like that was a horrible choice. It really was. But things happened to work out for the best. And like that is something I would never do again. I would never buy a property sight unseen. Yeah, but I guess just for, for, for clarifying purposes, w- did you buy it sight unseen because the, the tenants that were inside wouldn't allow you to enter? Or did you feel that it would strengthen your deal? Just like what was the reason behind not trying to get inside before you closed? Yeah, the tenants would not let me enter the property. They wouldn't even let the landlord enter the property, which is a red flag. A telltale sign by itself, right? Now, yes, I I appreciate you sharing that. It's just something I want to, I was talking with someone, we had our event last week and someone was in a similar situation where they kind of took a leap of faith and didn't quite work out for them. And I I shared this thing, it's this framework that I've, I've learned in like the personal development space. But when you think about like taking action, you have like these kind of three different phases or three different areas. You have your comfort zone and that's the the zone that most of us operate in for the majority of our life where we're doing things that we know how to do. We can do it with our eyes closed, hands tied behind our back. And then outside of the comfort zone, there's the growth zone. And that's where you kind of push yourself beyond your existing limits and how you, how you start to get better and develop new skills. But then outside of the growth zone, there's the danger zone. And the danger zone is where you almost bite off more than you can chew and you end up in a situation where it's no longer productive, but it's counterproductive because you've taken on too much. And it's a fine balance to, to kind of keep because you always want to make sure that you're in that, that growth zone pushing yourself, but you also want to make sure that you don't go too far to, to, to the point that you're in the, in the danger zone and kind of just totally out of your element. So I, I appreciate you, Hudson, for taking that big step, but it seems like maybe you, you went one step too far. Yeah. For sure. And the thing is, you know, at first, like when I first started, I was scared. I didn't necessarily know what to do. And then it's it's easy to overlook things. You know, you don't analyze deals properly or work the numbers correctly. And you take a big risk. And, you know, sometimes it goes too far. Um, sometimes it just happens to work out. So Hudson, after this deal, you've done, an, you've had one more property or two more? So I have two flips on the market right now after this deal. And then we currently, me and my partner hold two properties we're renovating as we speak. Okay. And then the house that you're living in now for college, are you renting or? Okay. So you're renting and then you are, you have purchased your rental properties. Okay, cool. I was, I was just wondering if you were house hacking, did you ever think about um, buying a house there and then renting to all your friends? So that's actually the plan um, next year. Our lease is up in July and we're planning on moving um, just in downtown Columbus. And I'm going to buy a property, hopefully, if the numbers make sense, and then rent it out to my friends. That's the plan. Okay. I have one more college related question that I want to get into like the actual funding um, of your deals. But uh, have you regretted knowing what you know now? Have you regretted going to college? So I I should say yes honestly but I would say no because college it's so fun I, I would say like I'm here literally like I'm here having fun like I'm hanging out with my friends all weekend I'm I I have two steps you know where Monday through Thursday up until about 5 p.m. I'm like grinding I'm working I'm working and then I you know, I love it. I love being with my friends and just going out, hanging out, having fun. I love, I love the transparency. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, last night, someone told me this quote. I don't remember it exactly, but it was um, from Angel Garcia that he told me that this was one of his favorite quotes. And it was something about like, you don't regret things that you did. You regret things you didn't do. And like, I just thought of that with like, if you didn't go to college, you may regret not going to college. Um, this, yeah, I w- I always think that's so interesting because I think that's a very common question for somebody that's in high school, that's interested in real estate investing. Like, should you even go to college or just jump, you know, full board? And 
it's, I think, a very personal question. And I think there's pros and cons to both, definitely. But I was just interested in hearing that. Ashley, let me, I just want to ask you, right, you, you've got three young boys. And as they get closer to college age, and I ask, because we have the conversation with Sean, my son, because he's only three years out from, from college right now. But as your boys get older, what's your thoughts on them going to college versus not going to college? Honestly, I don't care. I'm pretty sure my oldest is just going to take over the farm and run the farm. Like I don't see as of right now him doing anything else and you don't need to go to college for that. And that's fine. Um, I mean, he can already, he's nine and he can rebuild a, a motor. Like that that's good for me. Like he has some skill. And, um, but also like we have the, the college 529 plans for each of the kids. And recently they announced that they can be now turned into a retirement account and be retirement. So if they don't use them for college, it will now be retirement for them. So, I mean, that just makes it, it, that makes me feel even better about them not going to college because now we won't pay penalties for taking that money out for them to do something else with. Totally. Yeah. My, my son's a freshman in high school. So he's got, you know, three years of, of high school left. And I've told him multiple times, it's like, I don't, I don't care if you go to college or not, mm-hmm. but all I require is that you have a plan. It's like, yeah. if you don't want to go to college then show me a, a clear plan of what you, what you are going to do to be a productive, you know, kind of self you can take care of yourself as an adult. What you're not going to do is graduate from high school and sit on my couch and play video games all day, right? So <laughs> yeah. it's like, you, you got to have a plan. So Well, I, I think that, so for sure, I would be farther ahead in my career um, work-wise if I did not go to college. But the f- friendships and, you know, memories I've had in college, seriously, I wouldn't trade them for anything. And I think having a degree in psychology has probably helped with your wholesaling, um, creating relationships and communicating with people and reading people. And then also with a finance degree, I graduated with an accounting and finance degree. And I think it's helped me tremendously with analyzing deals, understanding financial statements and just business in general. So I'm uh, thinking that's probably the same in your case, too, that you can actually use your degrees to help your real estate investing. Yeah, for sure. And I specifically chose finance, you know, psychology just kind of worked out, you know, for the better. Um, But I specifically switched over to be a finance major because of real estate. And that's something I've always struggled with is in the numbers aspect of things and analyzing deals and whatnot. I'm the guy who's just jumping in and trying to make things work. When Bigger Pockets started podcasting, no one thought we needed a store, but then books, so many books, best-selling books, rookie books, partnership books. We needed the best real estate bookstore ever, so we chose Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch stage to the first order stage to the did we just sell out the whole store stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling real estate books or retro clothing, Shopify's platform helps you sell everywhere, online or in person. Now, speaking of online, did you know Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better than other leading commerce platforms? And no matter how big you grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control of your business. And that's why we chose Shopify for the Bigger Pockets Bookstore. So sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash bprookie, all lowercase. Again, go to shopify.com slash bprookie now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash bprookie. Rookies, 2024 is the year to start protecting your rental properties with an LLC. But you don't have to do all the paperwork and filing yourself. Corporate Direct is your professional and affordable option for getting your LLC done right. They handle the state filings, draft your operating agreement, and act as your registered agent. They'll even help you comply with the Corporate Transparency Act, a new federal disclosure law affecting every real estate investor. Corporate Direct is a family business founded by attorney, author, and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton over 35 years ago. Now, His son, Ted, is a licensed attorney working with him. Together, they've helped thousands of real estate investors form and maintain their LLCs and protect their assets. If you're trying to build a real estate portfolio, do not skip the LLC. 
Head over to corporatedirect.com slash biggerpockets to schedule a free 15-minute consultation with an incorporating specialist. Mention Real Estate Ricky and get a $100 discount on your formation. That's corporatedirect.com slash biggerpockets. Hiring? Your search is over. Really, there's no need to search. Match instead with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates super fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to hire top talent faster. Speaking of top talent, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. But why do I love Indeed? Because I'm busy and scrolling through 300 resumes is not helping my business grow. It's actually making it slow. With Indeed, I can hire faster and know I'm getting someone who can do the job. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to post your jobs with more visibility at Indeed.com slash rookie. Just go to Indeed.com slash rookie right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash rookie. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So Hudson, I want to go back to that first deal because you, you, you kind of alluded to the issues that you ran into, but just give us the breakdown of what the challenges were, what went wrong, and how you eventually course corrected to make it a, a better deal or just how you kind of save yourself from everything going, going the wrong way. Okay. So I'm going to fast forward four months from closing date. The first day I stepped inside the property. So I drove over there. It's actually in Newark, Ohio, um, just about 45 minutes east of Columbus. And I walked in the front door and it was kicked in and there was trash just piled to the ceiling. Like you couldn't see anything. It was, I've done a lot of clean outs and I might say it was the worst property I've ever been in. So, you know, I can still vividly remember it. I walked back into the dining room. I took a left into the bathroom, except there was no toilet or shower. Like I, there wasn't, it wasn't really a bathroom, I guess even. (laughs) So I mentioned that the back half was a commercial unit. Um, It was, it was just like a big warehouse off the back of the house and it was just piled with trash just everywhere, just everything. And, you know, I, I felt like I had a rock in my stomach. Like I just couldn't even comprehend what was going on. I felt horrible. So once you get inside Hudson, like obviously the, the condition of the property is far worse than you imagined. Uh, Does this mean that the numbers don't work for you? Like, or did you, are you now like over budget? Like what were the ramifications or the implications of the condition, the conditions of the property? Nope. Yeah. So I estimated the rehab to be 35 K and I knew immediately like that wasn't going to work. So that was another factor um, where I just, I didn't know what to do. You know, like I, it it sucks when you have no idea what to do and you just feel lost. And that's really what happened. I, you know, there were squatters in the back of the property. It was just a mess all around. And this was after already holding it for four months. So I had already spent over 3000 in closing or in holding costs. How were you funding this deal like with the purchase, the rehab? Was this from wholesale money or did you get some kind of funding? Yep. So I provided the down payment. So yeah, I I didn't have very much money at the time after doing that. And then I had a hard money lender. I used a bridge loan um, for the other, you know, funds. So now all of a sudden you're getting more expenses that are coming up. And how did you start chipping away at that problem? Yeah. So for a few days, you know, I was just trying to recuperate, just figure out what I need to do. Um, I reached out to my brother-in-law who had been, you know, helped me the most um, this far in my journey. And he knew of an investor in the area who was just killing it. Like she had flips left and right. She owns a lot of rentals and is just like, go, go, go. So he gave me her number and then I called her and I swear to God, I was just like so brutally honest. I was like, I am screwed. I need your help. Like I you can have the property if you want. I'll just eat the holding costs. I'll lose whatever happened. And she was like, okay, like settle down. We just met. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so, so then I met her there the next day 
And she was like, yeah, man, you messed up. <laughs> I was like, yeah. But she, you know, she said, we'll work through it. She'll walk me through the renovations. She'll help me with everything. I was like, yep, that sounds as good as it could be. Like, I couldn't ask for anything more, honestly. So with that partnership, how did that conversation kind of turn? Like, did you end up giving her all of the profit, like the property? Or how did that partnership evolve? Was it her saying, okay, this is what I want out of it and I'm going to help you? Or what did that piece kind of look like? Yeah. So I've still, you know, I've, I've provided the financing on that property and I've handled, um, I've worked with the hard money lender and whatnot, and she's handled the rehab and we just kind of went from there. And now we actually own that unit um, as a rental property. We have an operating agreement. We split it 50-50 and it's been rented for a few months now. So like everything's good now. Hudson, can I ask, so what what support uh, or, or guidance did this new partner bring to you? Were they like, how, how were they able to make this now a profitable deal as a long-term rental? For sure. And she she has so many connections in the area where, um, you know, she can have contractors and whatnot do the work for much cheaper and effectively and get things done so quickly. And I never, you know, I never really thought about that as a beginning to start my investing career, um, but it really is beneficial. And she, you know, she's just on top of things immediately. When we walked that property, she was getting caught. She walked, we walked contractor and she was like get on that right now start cleaning over there like wow she knows what she's doing I was just like a scared little puppy in the back but (laughs) yeah but that is a great point that experienced investors sometimes do have that network where they're getting discounts or they know the right people to call so you know you watch social media and be like oh my god they did this rehab for this and it's like well that's because they have that contractor doing three different rehabs for them at once. They keep them busy, things like that, where they're getting that preferred pricing. Uh, so I think that that's a, a really great point um, to touch on. I think the the lesson to take away, Hudson, is that if you're able to do the hard work of finding the deal for an experienced investor, that is one of the best ways to build a relationship because good deals open so many doors. And even though you overpaid for this property, uh, given the condition of it, that experienced investor was still able to turn to a good deal for you know his or herself. And I think the, the lesson for all of our rookies listening is if you can find a way to bring value to uh, another investor, someone that has more experience, that's the best way to find a mentor, to find a potential partner, to find someone to guide you along is doing the hard work of finding a good deal. And I think you're, you're a great example of that, Hudson. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, maybe I can't analyze deals the best. You know, maybe I don't know how to do all the rehab, but my partner texted me you know, an hour ago and said, hey, can you pick up these cabinets? We need to get them installed ASAP. And I'll, immediately I was like, yep, I'm on it. You know, I'm going there after this. Like, it's just the small things that you're willing to do that other people might not be willing to do. Yeah. Or they can do, they just don't want to do it. Yeah. Like that, it, just to have somebody do those things where, okay, if they have a partner that can go and do it, just doing those little tiny, which may seem tiny tasks. Sometimes it's so hard to hire someone to do that because it's such a, a simple thing where, you know, your contractor is not, no, I'm not going to run to Lowe's right now and pick up cabinets, or I'm going to charge you a ridiculous amount of money to do that and take the time out of my day. So yeah, that's a huge benefit. Uh, Hudson, can you go over the numbers real quick for us on this deal? Just tell us the purchase price, the rehab, you know, what you're renting it out for and what you ended up cash flowing. Yeah. So we purchased it or I purchased it at the time for 65K. The rehab was around 50K which it should have even been much more than that, but my partner saved me there. And then we actually got it reappraised yesterday. So we don't have it refinanced yet even. I'm still holding it. I'm still, you know, paying holding costs and whatnot. But it is currently renting for fourteen hundred a month. And I'm excited. I'm crossing my fingers for the refine. What do you think that it's going to appraise at? What do you think the ARV is? So things got a little splotchy with like the commercial aspect of the unit. And I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping 150,000, but we'll see. Yeah. Well, awesome. 
excited for you. And thank you so much for being like open and honest about the struggles of what you went through, because if just one person is maybe going through the same thing that you did and hearing your story, like hopefully that gives at least somebody some kind of motivation and inspiration. Like, Hey, here's what I did. I went and found a partner and it worked for me. Like there are options out there. So if anybody else is having that happen, like don't give up, uh, do what Hudson did, go out, find a partner, solve the problem, make yourself solutions. And I guess we can jump into the Ricky exam, uh, Hudson, if you're ready for that, brother. Okay. Yeah. All right, man. These are the three most important questions you'll ever be asked in your life. But actually, I don't know if that's true for you because you said, I think you have an exam right before this or <laughs> right yeah. after this. So you might be the one, the one caveat to this. But so question number one, Hudson, what's one actionable thing Ricky should do after listening to this episode? So, you know, when I started, it was write letters do things that other people aren't willing to do to connect with potential sellers. But my advice would be find someone who knows what they're doing, who wants to help you. You know, it's so easy. There are so many people who know what they're doing, but you got to find the right people who really want to help you and want to grow with you. And that's where I've, you know, taken off to the moon with my investing career. I don't know where I would be without the connections I've made. Maybe I wouldn't even be in real estate anymore. What is one tool, software, app, or system in your business that you use today? Besides PropStream, because you already said that. <laughs> can, I, can I say um, making connections with local realtors? Yeah, sure. So yeah, really, my partner and I have connections with some great realtors around the area who focus on distressed properties and you know selling properties that aren't up to market standards. So we have so many connections now that the deals are flowing to us instead of us spending our time and effort trying to find deals. Love that. And that's a great position to be in. And, and it kind of snowballs, right? Like once you get that first one, you start building relationships. And before you know, you got more, more deals coming in that, uh, than you than you can use. Uh, so last question here, where do you plan on being in five years? You know, that's, I love that question because I seriously have no idea. Like I was wholesaling six months ago and then now, I'm working with my partner. Um, you know, we're working on a few higher end flips and I'm, I don't know, you know, I would like to keep working up and see where it takes me, hopefully get into apartment complexes one day, something of that sort, just keep going and seeing what presents me. Yeah. Well, Hudson, if where you're at today is any indication, brother, I'm sure you're going to crush whatever goals you you set aside, man. So we're, we're excited to, to kind of be experiencing that journey with you. So uh, before we wrap things up, I just want to give a shout out to this week's Ricky Rockstar. Today's Ricky Rockstar is Andrew Snyder. Andrew says that uh, just closed on my first deal and made $5,000. He's been wholesaling off and on, but decided to take it seriously this past year. And um, the owner actually left him a Canada gold ring today at closing as a gift for helping him and uh, following up. And what a crazy thing to happen that he bought a deal from someone else and that person thanked him for buying the property, right? Uh, so it just goes to show what happens when you uh, wholesale and you do it the right way. It's a, it's a one-on-one situation. So if you guys want to get a shout out as a, real, as a rock star in the Real Estate Ricky podcast, uh, just post in Real Estate Ricky Facebook group or in the forums and we would love to share your success with all the rookies that are listening. What is a Canada gold ring? Like a ring on your finger? I have no idea, but <laughs> um, I'll take it, you know? I'll have to ask some of my Canadian friends. <laughs> okay, well, Hudson, thank you so much for joining us. Can you tell everyone where they can reach out to you and find out some more information about you? Um. So yeah, I mean, I'm not very active on social media or anything, honestly. If you just reach out on Instagram or anything, you know, my Instagram is just Hudson Jump. Um, J-U-M-P. You're not going to find much about real estate, to be honest, but you know, I would be willing to connect with some people, um, you know, reach out. I'd love to help and just we can go from there. Um, but yeah, I'm not very active on social media, to be honest. So because you're too busy partying in college, huh? You would just assume, <laughs> yeah, I'm just hanging out. With college. <laughs> Well, Hudson, thank you so much. Uh, we really appreciated the value you've brought to today's show. And um, we can't wait to have you back on in a couple of years with, to see where you've, you've went with your uh, continued success. Tony, do you think that everyone is having the same kind of emotions response to this episode, like pure excitement and joy for Hudson, but also like a kind of 
pain inside as to why wasn't I doing this in college? <laughs> yeah. It's it's always this weird dynamic where I think we love hearing stories of people that are relatively young who are taking these massive steps towards building their real estate business. But it's also like, like you said, kind of hits you right in the heart. It's just like, man, why wasn't I doing this at that age? But I mean, he it was it was a really cool episode and just his whole demeanor and his approach and his mindset is is super inspiring. But just I also want to call out because he he kind of faltered at the beginning with that deal where he underestimated the rehab costs and didn't get inside for four months. And JP Desmond, who was on episode 279, he was a guy that lost a quarter of a million dollars on his first few deals. And the common theme between JP and Hudson was that both of them kind of found their way out by partnering with someone else that had more experience. So for all of our rookies that are listening, I think I think that's like one thing to take away is that if you find yourself in a position where you're, you're just like in over your head, the fastest path to success or, or kind of getting back on the right path is finding a partner that can potentially help you out. Yeah, and if you guys didn't know this, Tony and I actually have a book launching this summer called Powered by Partnerships, which kind of goes in depth about this as to why you should consider having a partner. So I think this episode in general was a great case study for that. Another thing I really enjoyed about this episode are the list that you and Hudson talked about, the list that you make as to, and it's something I'm definitely going to start doing, is making a list of things you don't want to do and then kind of building off the SOPs for that, the standard operating procedures. So I challenge you to also do that, to, to go ahead right now and start making a list as you go through your day of things you don't want to do that you can eventually start to outsource. And we need to get these these people on as like a, a sponsor for the podcast because I feel like we talked about them quite a few times, but I use Loom, L-O-O-M, to record all of our video SOPs. And it's a super easy way, just like whenever I'm, I'm about to do something that I know I eventually want to delegate, there's like a little button on my web browser. I hit the button, I record it, I save it, file it. And then when that team member comes on, I just send them a link to that video and say, hey, here's how to do it. And they don't have any questions because it's such a detailed explanation through video. Yeah, I use Loom too. I really like it. And then I kind of tie that into monday.com, which has like almost like the written part out of like the checklist element to kind of add to that or the template piece, I guess. Yeah. And last thing that really jumped out at me about Hudson as well was the 10,000 letters. And like that is just a monumental number of letters. Like like I don't think people can <laughs> yeah. wrap their minds around how much work goes into 10,000 letters. I tried to write, I think, like 200 letters uh, when I first got started, and that took me so long. So I couldn't imagine doing 10,000. So just major kudos to him. But that's the kind of hard work that goes into being successful. That's the stuff that nobody sees behind closed doors, but then they want to celebrate someone's success. So if you're hyping Hudson up for being successful, also hype him up for doing that hard work of writing 10,000 letters by hand. Yeah. And also the fact that he started to realize maybe I should hire my roommates, where it probably is relatively inexpensive to pay someone to write letters. You're sitting there watching TV, doing whatever, and you guys are just writing letters. So um, maybe some quality bonding time with your friends. <laughs> he, he also didn't clearly state that he did not go to the old folks home when you asked him that question. <laughs> he, he neither confirmed nor denied. So maybe there's a little bit of that in there as well. We do also have an Instagram shout out for you guys today. So today's shout out is Alex Camacho. His Instagram account is Real Estate Deal Maker. So what caught my eye today was a post he did. It was an Instagram reel about seven departments that he has created to build a seven-figure real estate investing company. So Alex does all kinds of real estate investing strategies. I guess I suggest you guys give him a follow because he shares a ton of knowledge about how he has built his business and systems and processes, team members he has in place, things like that. Thank you guys so much for joining us. I'm Ashley at Wealth From Rentals, and he's Tony at Tony J. Robinson, and we'll be back on Saturday with the Ricky Reply. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom. And the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. 
If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com slash deals, enter a few details about what and where you want to buy, and boom, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. There's free resources only available at biggerpockets.com slash deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com slash deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.